Can you believe seven days from this very moment, you're going to be ripping into presents or something? I don't know what you'll be doing that morning, but it's just one week away. Anybody had their fill of eggnog yet? No, right? Never. Eggnog, I know it's a very divisive subject. You're either like pro or against. Like you're, nobody's ever just like, yeah, eggnog, maybe. You're either like, yeah, give it to me, or it's disgusting, slobber, get it out. Um, Christmas carols, everybody enjoying the Christmas caroling going on? You know, when I was, when I was growing up, we actually, I don't know if they still do it, maybe they do, I don't know, but like when I was in the youth, we went caroling from door to door in the neighborhood. Did y'all ever do that? Yeah, that was, that was embarrassing, but they made us do it every year. Every year it's what you did. And uh, so that was fun. Uh, Christmas shows. Everybody loved Chris, all the Christmas shows that come around every year. What are some, what are some of everybody's favorite Christmas? Elf. Elf. Yes. White Christmas. Anybody enjoy uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Right? It's wonderful. I used to not like It's a Wonderful Life because it is the most depressing movie <laughs> So you get to like the last five minutes, then you're like, oh, okay. But the rest of it's just, this is horrible. This guy's life is terrible. Um, uh, how, about, how about this one? This is a classic. Everybody loves Rudolph, right? Can't get mad about Rudolph. He's beautiful, right? Scrooge. There's lots of different Christmas carols or Scrooge or Scrooge or different movies. This, was, this is our family's favorites, the musical back from 1970, right? We watch it. At least several times a year. We've got nothing else to do, so we just watch Scrooge over and over, right? Um, Die Hard, right? No? A lot of debate. Is it a Christmas movie? Is it, not? it came out at Christmas, right? Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs, right? Uh, my all-time favorite, though, is this one. Charlie Brown. The Charlie Brown Christmas special, to me, just still, ah, it gets me right there every time. Uh, that, and, of course, the scene. It's the scene. You know what else I love about Charlie Brown? It doesn't, like, assume, like, you're, like, having a great time, <laughs> you know? Because you're supposed to identify with who? Charlie Brown, right? And he's having this rotten Christmas because he's trying to figure out what in the world is Christmas all about. And, of course, I want, I want to play for you my favorite scene here. Just, here we go. You gotta turn it on. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. Get out your Kleenex. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel... A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. There you go. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So um, I did a little research into this. So 1965, this, that aired on national TV. 1965, isn't that crazy? Now, what was interesting is both CBS, that's the network that aired it, and Coca-Cola, they were the sponsors, they thought it was going to bomb. And they, they wanted to pull out of it. They were, they were about to just drop drop it all, and before it ever even aired, they only spent $75,000 on production for this thing. And when it aired on that night in 1965, it had a 50% market share. 50%. That means the entire country of the United States of America, of everybody who was watching TV, half were watching this. Isn't that amazing? That's just amazing to me. The, the other interesting factoid I was reading up about this was... Uh, up until this time, you know what was really taking off? Aluminum trees. Yeah, aluminum trees were like a big deal. Y'all still have some, like in the attic? Yeah, they're like vent. Yeah, some of you are like collect them now. They're vintage, right? They're retro. They're really cool. Um, they were becoming super popular so that people wouldn't have to have like pine needles and sap and all that kind of stuff in their living rooms. And then this aired, so the legend goes, as soon as this did, real tree sales skyrocketed, and aluminum tree sales tanked. So now they're a collector's item. So if you have aluminum trees, and they're worth a whole lot of money, I guess, you can thank Charlie Brown. That's, that's why. All right, well, today we are wrapping up our, our four-week series called The Advent Conspiracy. And uh, Advent, of course, marks the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas is a day, Advent is the season. So the season that leads up to Christmas is Advent. And uh, what we are doing, we decided this year we want to do something a little different. We want to conspire together. We're going to conspire to, to approach Christmas in a fresh way that ensures that we truly worship the Savior that was born. That's what we've been trying to do. We've asked, what if we could worship more fully this Savior for his birthday? What if we could worship him more fully? What if we could spend less... And what if we could give more? And so we, and what we've been doing is diving into the, the real story of the coming of Christ. So we don't want to miss it like they did, like most people did 2,000 years ago. Most of the world missed the coming. He was here, right? And it was that small little people, uh, a handful of people that, that knew about it, that was paying attention. I think it's safe to say that many of us, probably Christians just sitting in this room, you know, no guilt, just just a fact, we probably miss Christmas just about every year. You might be thinking to yourself, no, I don't miss Christmas. Believe me, it's here. I try to avoid it, and it hits me in the face like a Mack truck, right? But the fact is, you may feel like you're neck deep in cultural Christmas, which is a very different thing, which is, cultural Christmas is all about getting stressed out, getting highly in debt, right? Uh, it's about feeding your greed demon, it's about going through all the motions that you have to until you can just collapse on the couch the next day after Christmas. That's kind of cultural Christmas, what's going on there. And if that is you here today, we want to tell you, you're doing it the hard way, okay? You are doing it the hard way. And I'll tell you this, you're not doing the kingdom of God any favors either, right? If that's your Christmas you're not doing the kingdom of God. We love you, and we want to show you a better way. So that's what we've been doing here. Um, you know what? Everybody in this room, if, you have, if you've received Jesus in your, 
in your heart. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're disciples, and we are celebrating and anticipating the wonder of a God who is with us, who's beside us, and who's become one of us. That is what we're celebrating here. That shouldn't stress you out. That should get you excited. Amen? Amen. You can talk a little louder today because there's not as many of you here today. So just go ahead and it's, it's all good. Um, so, so as we have stopped, you know, throughout this series, we kind of stopped and looked. We've peered closely at that manger scene. And we've looked into the story of the birth of Christ. We found some surprising details, haven't we? And, and one of the most surprising of all, the strangest thing of all, is just the characters, the, the individuals that were involved there that night. Um, we find these shepherds, these folks who were at the very bottom rung of society in their day. We find this unmarried teenage girl who finds herself pregnant, right? And we find her very understanding older fiancé who had to be told by an angel not to dump her. Strange group of people here, Right? And then later on, who comes along the scene? Eventually, these, these magi from a foreign country who worshipped foreign gods, who, who practiced, who, they, they dabbled in forbidden practices like astrology. And here they come trekking across the known world to come see this God come in the flesh. How weird is that? That's not the story you and I would have written, right? It's an unusual crew of people to welcome the Savior to the planet Earth. God could have announced his arrival on the planet to anybody. He could have announced it to anybody. He could could have gone to the religious elite. They were just down the road in Jerusalem, right? The temple was just down the road. He could have gone there and announced it to them. He could have gone to uh, the military elite, right? That was in Rome. Imagine if the Son of God had come to Rome, what they would have done to the earth with that knowledge. He could have gone to the political elite. Again, just down the road in Jerusalem. They were right there. He could have gone to them and announced his presence. He could have approached anybody who had more instant credibility. But he didn't. He didn't do that. He brought the news of Christ's birth to the disconnected. And I really want us to get that. He brought that news to the disconnected. An unwed teenage girl, a bunch of dirty shepherds, Foreigners who practiced the wrong religion. People who weren't favored by Jewish society in any way. That's who he brought the message to. That was, that was what he did. So what was his intention? What was God's intention in telling this incredible news to the very least likely people of all? Well, the first thing that I think God was wanting to make very clear, very obvious right off the bat, is that Jesus came to love all. He came to love all. He didn't just come for the elite, the important, the one everybody knew, the famous, the powerful. He came to love all. Even those we might consider the least likely is who he came for. People that, uh, you know, we might see as kind of unlovable or at least hard to love. You know, who are those people in your life? It might be a particular, might be a particular group of people that, that we've just sort of marginalized or written off right? Or, or for you, it just might be an individual you've just never seemed to be able to get along with, and you just figure you never will. That might be the people you've just sort of written off. They're the unlovable. But do you know who I think is, is probably the least worthy in our own eyes to hear about this great news of Jesus' birth? I think ourselves. 
I think for most of us, we are the least worthy to hear this news, right? You ever find yourself in possession of some news, and you're like, I, I don't know how I got to know about this, right? I can't do anything about this. I'm not the people who should know about this. Or do you ever find yourself, you ever get a job or something like that, and you feel like, whoa, I am like way underqualified for this job, right? I don't know how I got this job. Uh, I, I'm in some position of influence, and I know I'm completely undeserving of, right? Every single day, right here, right? We, we, we all have, the, have those moments in our life. And, and most of us, you know, I think we get pretty good at putting on, putting on a, a game face, and uh, we can look like we have it all together we, when we know that deep down we are far from having it all together. Any of you know what I'm talking about? We know how to put on the game face, but we know our own brokenness, don't we? We know those places. We know our own selfish thoughts. We know it better than anybody. We know our own wrongful desires, the ones we shouldn't have, but we do. We know those things. And you know what? I think, fourth, we, we often always obsess over our past failures more than anybody else. We obsess over our own past failures. So we know our own brokenness. We know our thoughts. We know our desires. We know our failures. And this news coming first to this really odd assembly of people, to me, this gives me hope. This reminds me that Jesus loves all, even me. Amen? He loves every single one of us, even me. No matter who I am, however unlovable I can be at times, and I know I can, I'm always loved by God. And, and I think, you know, we say that a lot, and a lot of us know it up here. We know it kind of in our head. But what we really want to do, really what we want to do, we want the Holy Spirit to move it down into here. We don't just want it to be head knowledge. I want you to know it. I want you to feel it, how much he loves you this morning, because he loves all. He came. He came to the earth. He suffered all throughout his life, he suffered scorn, and then he suffered torment, and he suffered death, and he rose from the dead for you. He suffered grief, loneliness, rejection, the cross for you, rather than spend an eternity without you. That's how much he thinks about you. Amen? So we can't make God love us any more than he does right now, any more or any less than he loves us right now. And, and so this Christmas, I really want you to know I want you to know that love and feel it down in the core of your being. But before anything else, Christmas means that you are loved. That's what Christmas means. You are loved. And he offers every single one of us this opportunity today to experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness fully. He invites you to come and witness what is, what is laying in that manger. This king who's been born to die for your sins. And he's extending this grace, this grace to every single one of us. It's a gift, and he extends it to us. It's what you need. It's what you want, whether you know it or not. It's what you need more than anything else. Amen? He's favored you. He's favored you in the most beautiful way. He's favored you by inviting you to partake of God with us, God beside us. God become one of us. But, but. This is only part of the story, okay? Because this is where it gets good. See, when the shepherds experienced God's favor, they were out there 
you know, tending the sheep, right? And they experience God's favor. The angels tell them, hey, go check out the, the baby. They go and see the baby. Then they didn't stop there. They had another decision to make. Look at Luke chapter 2. It says, when they had seen him, this is the shepherds, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Okay? So the shepherds come, and they come face to face with Jesus. They, have, they, had to make, uh, they had to make a couple of choices. First of all, you know, when they're out there in the field with the sheep, and the angels come, the angels didn't drag them to the manger scene, right? And they announced it. So the shepherds still had to make a decision. Guys, okay, so there's a, there's a king, you guys. We got the sheep, or there's this cool thing happening. Do you all want to go? Okay, we'll go, right? So they had to make that decision right? But, but then when they came face to face with Jesus, they couldn't help but share the news of the birth with other people, right? Once they were touched, they were called in that moment. They couldn't help but share what they had discovered. And in, in the very same way, once we find our way back to God, when we discover the God who has come, the news, this amazing news, we've been favored with this news, we are sent into this broken world to love all. We're sent to love all and to share our story so that others can find their way back to God too. Right? Okay. So when I was little, I'll say little, like 12 or so, uh, we lived in this area a long time. There's this you know, really cool little bowling alley down the, down the freeway here in Oak Ridge. Y'all know the one I'm talking about? Well, back when I was a teenager, it was pretty ghetto. Like, it's nice now, right? It's all painted up. But it was pretty ghetto when, when, when uh, we were back there. And then way back before my time, I think it was, like, really nice again, you know, when it was new. But uh, this was between renovations and so uh, during my years. And so we would go there, and me and my friends, uh, and, and there was a couple of my friends, we were there. Okay, I say a couple of my friends. Let's be honest. They were my friends. The couple. That was... <laughs> Sorry. Trying to make it sound like I had this like posse of friends, but it was just two. Uh, same two every day. So, so, so we were there, and we would go there and hang out. They had an arcade, and they had the bowling alley, and we'd be playing this, and we'd be bowling. Anyway, I, I, I burned, into my, burned into my memory. So we're out there playing one time. I think we were playing out, we were bowling at the time. We are just messing around out in the front. And, and one of the kids, one of the other guys comes running out of the arcade room, and he's spreading the word, the Space Invaders is broken. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's too bad. And he's like, no, it's not accepting quarters. Like, it's just on. <laughs> so this was a big deal, right? This is way before, like, Xbox or anything like that, right? It was a long time ago. You have to put yourself back there. And so we're all, like, you know, slowly making our way back into the arcade room. And, the, and that little space around the Space Invader machine, it's not accepting quarters. It's just, like, going on and on and on. It's, like, game after game after game. And this, like, sea of young, stinky boys, you know, we're just, it's f- filling around the Space Invader machine, right? Because that was incredible news. And we also knew the important part of this news. Don't let it get back to the old guy behind the counter. Because he'll come turn it off, Right? Tell no one of the wonders that you have seen here. You know, we were like Jesus. <laughs> Tell him. So we were trying to keep it ourselves. Eventually, yeah, he, he did find out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, when you're a kid, that's good news. 
that's news you want to hear about, right? So I find it interesting in this, in this story of Luke um, that Luke tells. It says, when the shepherds go and they tell everybody their story, it says that they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So it turns out this news was so good, so compelling and life-changing, it didn't matter who it came from. Just because they were shepherds, you would think normally that people would just blow them off, but people were amazed, right? People listened. Now, this is important for us because I think some of, some of us here, you might think to yourself, you shy, some of you might shy away from telling your story. How many of you ever get that thought and you're like, you know what, my story isn't that good. You know, I don't have some story where I like, you know, I got shipwrecked on an island and like I climbed the Himalayas and then God like rescued me and he saved me and then I'm, now I'm here, you know, or something. I, I don't have anything like that. What credibility do I have? I'm just a dude from spring. You know, what, what, what credibility do I have? You say things like, who wants to hear my story? It's kind of vanilla, right? Well, let me tell you something. The story that you have to tell, the greatest story in this universe, it's not really your story. It's not really my story. It's Jesus' story. It's his story, right? It's about a king who came to liberate the earth from the pain of sin and darkness and death. That is the story that we have to tell, right? It really doesn't depend on how terrible you were, how great you are now. That really isn't what it depends on. It depends on Jesus. That is the story that we tell. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the truth is, when Jesus comes into your life, it is radically changed from the inside out, right? So other people might be like, oh, it's so-and-so. It's Bob. He's coming down the road. It's, that's Bob. I've seen Bob before. No, Bob's a totally different human being than you've ever seen before, right? Because Jesus has changed him from the inside out. Amen. So you may think, you may think, oh, I, don't, I don't have this really exciting, you know, my, my life, they wouldn't make like an exciting movie about it or something like that. But see, here's the thing, you're, you're doing a disservice to Jesus because he found you priceless. Thousands of years ago, he looked forward and said, oh, Bob, I'm coming to earth and I'm dying for that one. I'm going to let him go. He's mine. That one's mine, right? Rick, he's mine. I'm dying for him. It don't matter what you do, what you do for a living. No, no, no. Jesus found you priceless. And he made the decision, right? He and the Father, they got together. Oh, we're, we're, we're dying for them. We're going to go to the earth. I'm going to show them how to live, and then I'm going to die for them, die for their sins so they can be with me forever and ever and ever and ever. So if you ever feel like you haven't done anything up to now that's very story-worthy, well, Jesus did something that's story-worthy for you. And that's the story that we can tell. That's the story that we tell other people. Amen? You want to make history? Tell his story. That's how you make history. That's how you, that's how you change lives. You tell the story of Jesus. And then, guess what? We do have a, a choice to make after that. Once Jesus changes us, if you're thinking, I haven't lived that much of a life. I've never really took any chances. Here's the thought. Start taking some chances. Right? If you've been changed, start taking some chances. Live out a story worth telling. Amen? Say, hey, I am going to make every day count from here on out. The past is done. I'm not, I'm not going to judge myself anymore. No more guilt. I'm not going to judge myself how what's happened up to today. But starting right now, I'm going, to, I'm going to live a story worth telling. We can make that decision. Every single one of us can make that decision, right? Because he loves all. 
He loves all. We don't have to live ordinary lives. We can live extraordinary lives right now because Jesus has, has already, he's already taken the first step. We just have to obey him. And believe me, if you want to live that kind of life, if you live the life of faith where you're meeting him at the next step, because he's at the next right step already, you're wondering what's the next right step. Jesus is there. Just go find Jesus. You go there. And, and, and some of those steps are going to be scary, and they're going to be awesome when you get there, because he's always faithful. He'll never let you fall. He's always there. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Jesus saw fit to favor us, you and me, nobodies, shepherds, magis, unwed teenage mothers. That's you and me. He saw fit to favor us with this good news. Us. Oh, man. Right? Blessed are you among men and women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. See, God's put something inside you. Amen. Some of you are getting it, some of you aren't. One of the ways you can express your love to people, and that's what this is all about. We have to express love to people. One of the ways you can express your love to your friends, your family, your neighbors, your people all around you, and ensure that they don't miss the true meaning of Christmas. It's not to yell at them. It's not to pick at them. It's to tell them the story of the difference Jesus made in your life. Tell them the story of what Jesus did for this world, what he can do for their life. And what gives you the credibility? If you're wondering, what gives me the credibility to step out there and tell this story? The favor of God. The favor of God gives you the credibility. I just want to spend a few minutes today, because this has been churning on me uh, just for the past couple of weeks. We got to go a couple of weeks ago uh, just to this wonderful little conference uh, with, our, with our youth ministers, John and Jeannie Burns, and Melissa and I got to go with them and see, uh, just really be fed by the Lord uh, and, and just filled up and, and inspired and sort of chastised. It was like God hugged me, and then he sort of slapped me around and said, go do what I told you to do. Yes, sir. Um, it, it, was, it was great. But I, I want to share this, what's been just burning inside me about the favor of God, the favor of God. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to um, Luke chapter 1. This is the announcement of the birth of Jesus to Mary. So, most of you know this story. Mary's a young girl. The angel comes and says, hey, guess what? You're going to have a baby. It's going to be the son of God, savior of the world. That's huge news, right? So this, this, is, a, this is a big deal. So, in, starting in verse 26... Luke chapter 1. We'll just read together. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. By the way, Nazareth was just a nothing city. Nothing. Barely. It's, it's, it's silly that it had a name. <laughs> to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Time's up. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, that word again, with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And what if the angel had just stopped right there and said, You know what? You found favor with God. He's going to give you a baby. 
just enjoy that baby. Y'all just have fun. Later. (laughs) Now there's 32. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, some interesting things going on here. Highly favored. He says she's highly favored. This is a really rare phrase. A lot of people in the Bible were favored. Very few, if any, I couldn't find anybody else that ever was highly favored. This is a big deal. So Mary finds favor. She's highly favored. But notice the whole picture of the blessing here isn't just hers, right? It's not just her thing, her blessing. It's a blessing and a favor that's going to be felt throughout the entire earth, throughout all of humanity. Mary's blessing is just the beginning. And here's the key. Here's the key. Favor is another blessing from God. Favor is a blessing. What do we know about blessing? If you come here very long, we say, you're blessed to what? Be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. So doesn't it stand to reason? You are favored to what? Pour out favor, right? It, it, favor is, is it's, 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 not your, it's not for you to own the favor of God when he pours it out into your life. It's not for you to own, but to steward. If you are here last week, you heard a really good message from Pastor Albert. He talked about that. And if you haven't heard that, I encourage you just leave right now and go listen to it in your car because it's really good and then come back in because that was a great message. You, that, let me tell you, stewardship and listening to that just rocked my world. I, I, listening to Dad talk about that because stewardship is like, it's one of those four or five keys like if you get, changes your life. Like you don't need to hear anything else. Like you, you just spend your life working on these four or five things. You know, like up there with Thanksgiving and things. Stewardship will change your life. This concept will rock your world because you know what? I was thinking about it. In, what about in, in the case of, of the holidays? Even in the case of the holidays. Look at the difference. If we have a, a, a mentality of stewardship versus a mentality of ownership. Right, that's the kind of the trade-off there. Mentality of stewardship versus ownership. So, you know what, I think even some of the, you know how some folks get like the holiday blues? Anybody ever get a little blue over Christmas? You know, uh, I think even some of that comes. Some, sometimes the holiday blues, the Christmas blues come from believing a lie. It's not there's, there's nothing, you're not evil, you're not, you didn't do anything wrong, but you, it comes from believing a lie. Now listen, I understand, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to, f- to feel blue, I'm not being insensitive, and if you want to just continue to feel blue, that's okay, I'm going to love you, you're going to go to heaven, it's not a sin, uh, but you're going to live the hard way. But if you want to be free, listen to what I'm saying here. There is, there is something here that has to do with stewardship. This lie is told to you by culture about the Christmas season. Just give me a minute here. There is a lie told. And that lie is that, first of all, Christmas is about me. And if I don't have the picture that culture tells me Christmas is supposed to look like, if I don't have the money flowing, right, if it's not raining, if, if, I, if I don't have, if my grocery cart isn't full of big, beautiful packages, if I'm not sitting around the fire with my big, perfect family, like a Norman Rockwell painting, then my Christmas is damaged. That is the cultural lie that it'll tell you. That's what Christmas is all about. 
you got to have this picture, man. If you don't have the picture, your Christmas is damaged, right? Now, I'm here to tell you because I love you. Christmas is not about grasping at things that make me happy. It's really not. I know it feels like it ought to be. It was when you were little, right? Are we grown-ups? It's... It is a, it's not a celebration of how much stuff I have or the stuff that I want or I don't have or even the people who aren't with me anymore, even though I love them and maybe I miss them so much. And every time Christmas comes back around, it's like teeth of a rake just goes across my heart again. It makes me miss them again. No, 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 no. Listen, Christmas is not about that. That's a child's view of Christmas, Right? Christmas is the, it is a point in space and time when Christ Jesus came to set us free from the pain of sin and death. Free! Right. Mercy. Mel's going to be like, why are you screaming? (laughs) Oh, I'm serious because I want us to get this because I love you. I really do. I love you. And you have been lied to if that's you. I just I want to help you cross on over. Christmas is a point in space and time where we celebrate that Jesus Christ has come to rescue us from the pain of sin and death. He's come to rescue us. That is what we celebrate. You hang on to that. You, that's what you grasp at. Not at what you wish you had or what you have and what you don't have. I don't have the family. I don't have this. That doesn't matter. Jesus has come to give us hope. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas is about. So there's this favor I've been given, right? This favor I've been given. Just like the Magi were given this favor. They didn't deserve that, right? These ungodly people from Iran or wherever they were, you know? The shepherds, they didn't deserve it. After taking care of sheep, they didn't do anything to deserve this favor, right? And so when I go and I I witness Jesus Christ... The king has come. Hope has come in the flesh. When I'm witnessing that, I don't just take that favor and wrap it up in a bow and open it all by myself on Christmas morning. No, 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 no. No. It has been entrusted to me so that I will go be a blessing to the world. That is what the shepherds did. They knew this, is, this can't be just for us because, I mean, look at us. That was what they thought. This must be for more people than us. That was smart. They had it right. Um, Pastor Bill Johnson, he said this, proper use of favor increases favor. Proper use of favor. You want, the, you want the favor of God to flow in your life. This is key. Proper use of favor increases favor. Right? You, 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 start, you start saying thank you to the Lord when you see the favor of God in, his, in your life. And then you do the right thing with it right? You don't misunderstand what it's for, right? It's true with anything. The proper use of anything is going to increase, right? Revelation, money, authority, influence. It's, it's a basic law of the kingdom. And, and so favor, you know, what have we always defined favor as? It's, it's undeserved. It's unmerited. Unmerited favor. It's not because you deserved it, right? It's not because God likes you best. Although, you ever, you ever get, feel the favor of God in your life? You ever go through a season and you're like, God, why do you like me better than everybody? You ever had that? I, I have done that. I know. You go through those times, you're just like, God, I don't understand. You like me better than everybody. It's, it's not fair. It's amazing, right? But then like a week later, I'm crying out to him, why do you hate me more than everybody? Right? We're fickle, fickle creatures. Oh, man. 
His patience, right? Oh, it's not because he likes us best, actually. He loves us all. It's not because you're the most talented. It's not because you're the most good-looking. Um, another guy we got to see at this conference, Daniel Kalinda. Kalinda? Daniel Kalinda. Oh, gosh, this guy was amazing. This young man is one of the youngest evangelists to Africa I've ever seen that's already, like, won millions of people to the Lord. This guy is just insane. He's off his rocker. He's just, a, just the Holy Spirit is just all over him. He said this. He said, God's favor on your life is always for the benefit of others. God's favor on your life is always for the benefit of others. I just, I felt that. I was like, oh, how many times have I totally, totally misunderstood what just happened when God did something good for me? Oh, why have you been favored? Well, first, because he loves you. Yes. He loves you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to develop a relationship with you, right? And he, he wants to have that intimate relationship. He has an affection for you. But secondly, you're favored because of God's love for others, because he loves all. That is why you are favored. And so he wants to open this door to a closer relationship with people. And he wants, so he puts favor in your hands, okay? Um, over in 1 Kings, this is pretty cool. In 1 Kings, the king of Israel at the time in, in chapter 10 was Solomon. And Solomon, you know, was famous for being one of the wisest men who ever lived. He was also one of the richest men who ever lived at the time. He was just, he was loaded. He was like an Arabian sheik for that time. And uh, there was this queen down in Africa who heard about him, heard about his wonders, his wisdom, his riches, his opulence, and all this kind of stuff. And she wanted to go see for herself. So she took her caravan up to go see him, the queen of Sheba. Everybody knows about queen of Sheba. So she goes up and sees him and Boom. It's like more. It, it didn't do justice. She, it was more than she expected. And she says this. Beautiful words. Look at here. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. God, I, I just need this like sealed in my heart. Why does God put things in our hands? It's not for us. It's not for us. Uh, why has God done this for Solomon and gave him this favor? Yes, what's the first thing she says? Because God delights in you. God delights in you. He's a loving, he's a father, he loves you. And he's a good God. But ultimately, why? Because he loves his people. You are here, she says, to execute justice and righteousness. That's why God has done this. We might say this, what he's given you must f be given away for it to be effective. What he's given you has to be given away for it to be effective. Otherwise, it was just a trinket. It was just something you give a kid and then he breaks it and it's done, right? That's how the kingdom works. It has to be given away. This passing on of blessing and anointing and gifts and insight. And look, this doesn't just apply to individuals. This applies to whole generations. You ever notice the genera we're a generations church? So we have all generations here. We've got the greatest generation. We've got boomers. We've got Generation X. We've got millennials back there. We've got the new little generation. They are, haven't really figured out a name for them yet, but they're being taught back there and learning all about Jesus, 
right? We have all these generations. And even generations bring giftings to the table. You ever notice that? And we should celebrate them. We never mock them. We don't mock the different generations. We celebrate them. What did you bring? What, do you, what is it that you bring to the table? I need to learn from you because you, you, you're seeing something fresh that I can't see, right? And these people are seeing something fresh that I can't see because they've gone through a whole different set of experiences I can't go through and I haven't gone through. So, so, so we celebrate that stuff. God imparts these gifts and they're passed on. And so when God grants every single one of us, this particular gifting or a grace in your life. He's going to grant you giftings and graces, right, in your life. He's giving you, at the same time, he's giving you the capacity to bless others with it. He always gives you that capacity. Amen? Amen. This is seeing favor through the lens of love. We want to see everything through the lens of love. If we're not, we're, we're, we're probably missing a point. When we look at favor through the lens of love, we realize we are favored to pour that favor out to other people. To give away what is dear to you is love, right? That is what God did. Scripture says God is love, but what does he do? He gives. It's the primary verb of the Bible. He gives. He gives. He is love. What does he do? He gives. And we're reflections of God, aren't we? We're to be love, but we're to give. We're to give. As we experience the favor of God, to the same extent that you experience the favor of God on you, you're called to bless others with it. Loving everybody around us with God's love. We might put it like this. Favor is the currency of the kingdom. Favor is the currency. Now stay with me. I'm not, I didn't say money. I didn't say money was the currency. Favor is the currency of the kingdom. See, a lot of people experience God's favor in their life, and whatever, whatever it was, however it came. And they want to bottle it up. I don't know if this is going to come again, right? So we, have starva- we go into starvation mode. I don't know if I'm going to ever experience this again, so I'm going to, I'm going to bottle it up. I'm going to p- protect it. I'm going to hide it. I'll make sure nothing happens to it because I've been favored by God. But the favor of God is not ultimately just for you, Amen. right? Favor is the currency of the kingdom, so don't hoard it. Spend it like currency, Right? <laughs> Make it rain, baby, right? <laughs> favor is the currency of the kingdom. So when the angel comes to Mary, the angel comes down and says, Mary, oh, highly favored above you, are you above all women? It's not just because she was God's favorite. It wasn't because God liked her more than anybody else. It wasn't because the demonstration of this favor is going to be for your benefit only, right? Just go enjoy that baby. You know, we'll see you when you, when you die. No. <laughs> it was because God wanted to pour that demonstration of favor out into the whole planet, the whole world, his love for the world. She was just a vessel of that favor because he loved her. He loved her. He said, I, I, I love you. I'm going I'm to do this wonderful thing for you. I'm going to let you be a vessel for favor, right? And we're called in that moment to be a steward of that favor, not to own it like, like it belonged to us. So when I'm walking in God's will, 
I'm walking along, I'm walking in God's will, I'm praying for things, I'm believing for things, I'm, I'm asking God, what do you have next? What's the next right step? I'm going to go there, I'm going to trust in you. I'm allowing myself to be led by the Spirit, okay? Led by the Spirit. I'm going to be used by God for whatever he wants, whenever he wants. That's the attitude. I'm gonna, whatever, whenever, God, whatever, whenever. You get in that mode, some, some freaky things are going to start happening in your life, right? Because the favor of God's going to show up. Don't forget what it's for, right? <laughs> right? His grace is going to show up. What is grace? Favor. It's his favor. That is the greatest joy you can experience, is, is blessing other people out of the overflow of the favor God's given you. Seeing his grace, his favor, his blessings, his love getting poured out onto people all around you. And, and if you start that, right, if you start that flow, you start blessing people. Like, I've seen so many of you. You guys are just, like, you blow my mind at what amazing, loving blessings you are. You can't hardly hold on to a dollar because you're just like, I got to give it to somebody. And, or, you know, or, or I've got time. What can I go do for somebody? I got to go build something, right? My friend Brad back there, he's just, or, or Joey, he's like, I got to go, I got to go help some lady build her fence or something. I just, I, I, I've got a, I've got an hour, God, what can I do with this hour I found today, right? You just want to give it out, give it out. And you start that. What is God going to do? He is going to flow right back into you. He flows because he's like, there's a favor machine I can work with, right? You become a favor machine. That is an exciting way to live. That's an exciting way to live. Amen. Listen, uh, it's beautiful. And it, sometimes when, when God is just pouring it out into you, it just feels like, I don't deserve this. And you don't. That's good for you to recognize every once in a while. You don't deserve it. It's just Merry Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday, but he's gifting you with all his favor. That's a wonderful thing. Um, but here's the thing. We're not adding one more thing to your plate. This is not about adding one more thing to your plate. Because I, I, I think somebody out there just had that thought. Man, this is like, sounds like one more thing to my plate. No, 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 no. Remember what this whole, this whole Advent conspiracy, there's, there's four parts to it, right? What do we start with? We want to worship fully. Fully. We want to worship fully. But then we want to spend less so that we can give more. Okay? And, and if you weren't here for that second week, the spend less week, um, that was after Thanksgiving, so I think a lot of you were full. Um, <laughs> you weren't here. So you want to listen to that. That's important. If you don't get that, this is all sounds like a whole lot of work. It just sounds, if you just go to, I'm going to worship and I'm going to give and love. No, there's a, there's a spin less. There's something that's got to go, okay? So I'm not telling you to put one more thing on your plate. I'm telling you to clear all that crap off your plate so you can do what God has for you to do, okay? But okay? Sorry, Mom. I'm not looking her way. <laughs> pa- pa- Pastor Albert, he, uh, last week, he talked about that treasure chest full of gifts that God puts in all of our life. Y'all remember that? That was so beautiful. This treasure chest full of things. For some people, it's money. Some people, that, they, they have an overabundance of money. Some people, it's time. They've got time to give. Some people, it's, it's like time management. They can teach things, right? That's what they have. They just have these skills that are natural, and they can teach. For some people, it's leadership. They can help people. They can give direction to people, 
right? And help organize. Some people's organizational skills or it's encouragement or business savvy or insight into relationships, right? I've got a friend who's, she's amazing at just helping people connect with what's that damaged thing inside them, right? And, and, and being healed from it, right? Some people, it's these gifts that God gives us. But God positioned you to be a blessing, be a blessing. And when we walk up to that nativity and we encounter God in the flesh, and we see a God who's invading the world right under the devil's nose, that we have been favored with that information. Those shepherds had to stand there and be going, who are we among the millions and millions of people around here? How have we been favored with this information? We have got to tell it. We have got to tell this because this can't just be for us. And they were right. They were right. Everybody in this room, everybody, if you're trying to walk with Jesus, he has favored you to do with this gift. What he's favored you to do with this gift is to love all, to tell the story. Tell the story. God, give us grace for extreme favor, to walk in extreme favor. Let's say that together. Say, God, give me grace to walk in extreme favor. Let's say it again. God, give me grace to walk in extreme favor. Extreme favor. You know, there's the games and then there's the X games. That's the ones you're like, those people are crazy. What are they doing? Right? There's sports and then there's extreme sports. Right? That's what we, we, you know, next time somebody says, how are you doing? Don't just say I'm blessed and highly favored. Get extreme about it. Say, I am walking in extreme favor. What can I do for you? (laughs) Right? That's extreme favor. That was pretty good. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What time is it? Can I get like 10 minutes? Y'all get a little bit, a little bit. Okay, this is, this is really cool. I'm sorry. I got to screaming and, and all my time went away. Okay, love, love for other people. This is our highest calling. Love for other people. It's not like a slogan on a t-shirt. It's for real. Our highest calling. Now, we hear that. Let me just, I'm going to get it. Okay, check this out. This is something, some of you have probably seen this scripture before. In Matthew 22, this is Jesus. Or someone, someone comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? the great commandment of the law. And Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is quoted in three different gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Everybody knows this? We're good about this? I don't spend any time on that, do I? Right? Love God, love neighbors. These are the two great commandments. Now, look what happens over in Romans. Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, he's commissioned us, he's gone to heaven. Now Paul is on the road. Churches are starting to spring up. Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome. So this is years later. He says, guys, he's talking to Christians, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He's like, 
scribe, get out another piece of paper. I'm going to write the Galatians. So he writes the Galatian church. You, my brothers and sisters, Galatians, y'all were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this. How many commands? One command. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the difference? Jesus told this guy to love God and love people. Paul comes along and says, the primary command for you, the church, is to love people. Why? Because if you have accepted Christ, if you're here today and you've accepted him, he's made you a new creature. You got Jesus living in you. You're living in Jesus. You know, you're doing all that cool thing. And, and the spirit of God has come upon you. Paul accepts it as a given that you love God. He's living in you, right? What he says we got to focus on now is that love to overflow into love for people, loving all, loving people. In fact, in fact, just you might be sitting there thinking, oh, Paul, he kind of went off the reservation. Je- you know, Jesus probably told him what's what when he got to heaven. Well, check this out. Jesus made the same shift towards the end of his life. He's talking to disciples. He says this in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? Then a little further down the road in chapter 15, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In verse 17, this is my command, love each other. There's a shift that's happened you ever notice this? When you are still living in your sins, when you're seeking, what, what, what is the meaning of life? Is there a God? What, is, what do I do? This wretched man that I am. The most important thing you can do, the most important, if you're here today and that's you, you're seeking. You don't know about this Jesus stuff. Or you don't know, you've never given your heart over to, a, to an invisible God before. If that's you today, the most important thing I can tell you today, the most important thing you can do is not to give a bunch of money to charity. That's why I, I, I tell people all the time. I was like, hey, if you're here for the first time, I don't want your money. If you're seeking Jesus, I do not want your money. That is not what this is about. It is not what this is about. That will not get you to heaven. You need to surrender your life to Jesus, right? Let him love you and help him love you back. He, he help, you, help you love him back. He, that, that is the most important thing. Love God and then love others. But get this, if you are in the body of Christ, my friends, if you are in the body of Christ, you aren't trying to get to heaven anymore. Your mission is to bring heaven down here on earth. Amen? Amen. And that is, the, that is the difference here. If you are part of the body of Christ, we're here to bring heaven on earth. Amen. Wherever we go, to spread his favor, to spread his love. That's what it's all about, right? So tell your story, favored ones. You were favored. Tell the story. Tell the story. But remember what makes my story good and what makes your story really special. It's really not about you and me. 
It's really that. What makes my story good and your story compelling, it's the same thing that made those shepherds' story compelling. It really wasn't a story about shepherds. It was a story about Jesus. It was a story about Jesus. It's his story. It's about this God who's come to earth, who loves all, and he came that very first Christmas night to demonstrate his love. Let's be in prayer this week too because this Saturday night, Christmas Eve, that's a beautiful, magical moment. On Saturday night, we have a great opportunity to ensure that every single person in this room, all of us, as well as all the family we bring, all the friends we bring, the neighbors that we invite, we, we, can, we can make sure that we don't miss the meaning of Christmas. So this weekend, what, this weekend, what we've decided to do this year only, we are pouring everything we have into this service into this Saturday night Christmas Eve service. We're doing that. We're doing it so that our all of our volunteers and all of our staff and our workers, everybody can spend Christmas morning celebrating at home with their families. So I hope you will be here Saturday night and bring everybody you can, right? Because you are a favored one. So go, go pour out that favor and invite people in. Invite somebody, step out and take the favor of God with you. Spend it like currency on somebody else. Hallelujah. Now, One more thing is over the next week or so, especially as it gets closer to the weekend, you're gonna be spending probably some time, more time with people than you normally get to spend during the rest of the year, right? Family and friends who've come into town, you're gonna be around them, you're gonna be next to them, you're gonna be sitting by them watching football, you're gonna be making a pie next to these people that you normally aren't with them all the time. So chances are you're gonna have a lot more downtime to tell your story, to tell his story, amen? So I can't think of a better way to love your family, to love your friends this Christmas than to tell them the story of the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Because Christmas is about good news, amen? It's about good news. It's news that I need to hear. A Savior has been born. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to pray for you. And our prayer partners are coming forward. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We cannot thank you enough that you have favored us, Lord God, that you loved us. You love all. We can't even fathom it, Lord, but we're just so thankful. That includes us. It includes us too. And you know everything about us and you love us anyway, Lord God. And you love us just as we are, but you love us too much to even keep us right here. You want to bring us forward and grow us up in you. Help us to live more lives of overcomers and lives of health. And Lord Lord God, you want to show us the right way to do things that pleases you and, and makes everything better. And so we can be a blessing to people around us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your peace, your wonder. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming 2,000 years ago, Jesus. Thank you for enduring everything you had to endure. Even the humiliation of being a baby, you endured that. And then you grew up and you showed us how to live. Thank you. We praise you, Lord God. Let this be the best week before Christmas that these people in this room have ever experienced. We thank you, Lord God. It is depression-free, oppression-free, stress-free in Jesus' name, debt-free. We call it down in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness. Help us to be more relational in our giving. We praise you, Lord. Help us to worship you fully. Help us to stop every single day. Help us to stop every single day and worship you. Worship that baby in the manger. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.